embraced God's purpose for your life. It's one thing to say, we know what I know, I believe God has a plan for my life, but I really don't care what it is. I'm just going to live my life however I want to, according to my rules, according to our society and whatever they decide is right. And so the question could follow, are you in agreement with God's purpose for your life? Do you agree with God's purpose for your life, that you have been created by God, you've been saved by God to serve him, to please him, to carry out his will? And I'll say this, if you aren't in agreement with God's purpose and plan for your life and you're a child of God, you are one of the most miserable people on the face of the earth. You really are. Um, If you're a born-again child of God and you are not in agreement with what God has for you, then you have the Spirit of God living within you, leading you unto good works. He has the power within you to uh, help you serve God and live a life that's pleasing to God. And if you're saying no to the Spirit of God, friend, you are the most miserable person and frustrated person on the face of the earth. You know, one of the things I've noticed in my own life, um, as I've been saved for a number of years now of my life, is there are times, there are seasons where uh, there, there are seasons of frustration. And there have been times in my life where I've been flat out miserable. And most every time that I can remember when that's happened, it's often come back to something. Normally it's an area of my life where I'm, not, I'm just not surrendered and submitted to what God is wanting to do in my life. Now I may be looking at the circumstance saying this circumstance has to change. And my, the reason for my misery and frustration is the circumstance you know what normally is the case? The reason for my misery and, circumst- and, and my frustration is not the circumstance, because God has allowed that circumstance into my life. The misery and frustration is because I am resisting God's plan for my life in that circumstance. And, and if you, you, I think most of you probably know what I'm talking about. So if you're frustrated, if you're miserable... Seek the Lord and and say, God, would you search my heart? Is my attitude right? Am I surrendered and submitted to what you're trying to accomplish in my life through this circumstance? Uh, If we agree with what God is trying to do in our lives, if we agree that what God desires is best for our lives and that he's doing what's best for our lives, then we ought to embrace his purpose and we ought to embrace his plan. Are you surrendered to that? Are you submitted to his plan or are you resisting it? Do you resent God's plan? Have you ever resented God's plan? Have you ever found yourself resenting what God has allowed into your life? Is your walk worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made? Is the way you're living your life worthy of his suffering and dying on the cross for your sins? Is your Walk is the way that you're living worthy of Christ's investment. You know, he he sacrificed himself. He died on a cross. He took all of our sins upon his body and he was crucified. And uh, in a Bible study just yesterday with a young couple, we talked about the exchange that God has made, that Christ has made. And in the booklet that we were using, it had a picture of a cross. And on one side of the cross, it had a list of sins. Lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, murder. And it, it said, I want you to put your name at the top of that list. And then on the other side of the cross, it had a list of, another list, righteousness, holiness, peace, joy, 
love. And on, on the top of that list, at a blank, you're supposed to write the name Jesus on the top of that list. And it looked, it was understandable, it was, it was comprehensible. You looked at those lists and you saw the list of wickedness, and you saw your name at the top, and, you, and I thought to myself, that makes sense, because I'm a sinner. And I looked at the top of the list of, the list of those attributes of God and righteousness, and, and there's the name of Jesus, and it made sense. And then the, the booklet said, I want you to cross out your name over the list of sins, and I want you to put Jesus' name over the list of sins. And I have to tell you, I literally had this unnerving, weird feeling in my stomach as I did that, because frankly, his name didn't look right on top of the list of all that wickedness. And then it said, I want you to cross out Jesus' name over the list of all of those godly things, and I want you to put your name. And the point was that when a person trusts Christ as their personal Savior, God makes an exchange. And he exchanges his righteousness for your sinfulness and my sinfulness. And that's what happened the day you and I were saved. He gave us his righteousness. And when Jesus Christ went to the cross some 2,000 years ago, He took upon himself, he became sin for you and for me. He took all of our sin upon his body. The the sacrifice was made 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died. The exchange is made when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And it's a wonderful, wonderful truth. Let's continue looking down. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 17. Chapter 3 and verse number 17, because... I want you to see that God's plan for our lives hasn't changed and that you and I can please the Lord. We can please God. Look at chapter 3 and verse number 17. The beginning part, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So he's created us, he's saved us to serve him and to please God. Uh, But he wants Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. As we take God at his word, the Lord Jesus Christ dwells within us and he lives his life of righteousness and holiness and peace and joy and love and long-suffering through each and every single one of us. And that's what God desires to do in our lives. And, and he wants us, each one of us to be continually understanding what God's will is for our lives. Look at chapter, uh, chapter let's see here, chapter 5. In verse number one, verse number one, he says, be therefore followers of God. And really what he was saying there is follow God. And then he tells us what it looks like to follow God. In verse two, he says, walk in love. In verse number eight, he says, walk in the light. In verse number 15, he says, walk circumspectly or walk wisely. And the question could be asked, how is it that I as a child of God Though still robed in sinful flesh, how is it that God expects me, or how is it that I can, is it even possible for me, a sinner saved by the grace of God, is it possible for me to follow God? Because where God leads is always right and true and, and, and righteous and holy, and, and we know ourselves, we know our wicked, godless flesh, and we're not prone toward holiness and righteousness and truth. And the answer to that question of how is it that you and I can follow God is found in chapter 5, look there in verse number 18, where he says, be filled with the Spirit. 
be filled with the Spirit. And then, in the context of that command, he makes some very, very practical application. We've taken a lot of time to look at it. God wants wives to follow him. And what does that look like? Submitting themselves unto their own husbands as unto the Lord. And we talked about it, we saw it in the very context of this passage. God wants husbands to love their wives like Christ loves the church. And how is that possible? How is it possible for a husband to love his wife in the very same way that Christ loves the church? And the answer to that question is, by being filled with the Spirit. Do you know that a wife who's filled with the Spirit always submits herself to her own husband? And when a wife is not submitting herself to her own husband, she's not under the control of the Spirit of God. The same is true for a husband. Do you know that a husband who, who, who is filled with the Spirit always loves his wife like Christ loves the church? And do you know, husbands, when you and I are not loving our wives like Christ loves the church, do you know that we're not filled with the Spirit? We're not under the control of the Spirit. We're under the control of our flesh. And it's in that context now that we come to chapter 6, and God's still talking about the family, and now he's going to talk to us about children. And I can tell you this, in verse number 1, this is the only place in the, in the entire Bible that I'm aware of where God directly speaks to children. Now, there are other instructions throughout the Word of God for children. There are other Bible principles, but this is the only place in the entire Bible where God speaks directly to children. And I'll say it this way before we read it. A child who is filled with the Spirit, who is under the control of the Spirit of God, always obeys and honors their parents. And when a child is not obeying and honoring their parents, they're not filled with the Spirit of God. Let's look at our text, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1. I'm going to read down through verse number 3. It says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be, that it, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, this morning as we look at your word. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts by your spirit through your word. Father, we've gathered to hear you, to hear from you, and, and may we hear. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as families, as parents, as children. I pray for the children in our church that they would be obeying their parents that they'd be honoring their parents. And Father, I pray for us as parents that we would teach our children to do this with our words. But Father, even more than that, I pray that we would be an example to our children of what it is to submit ourselves to your will and your plan. And Father, I pray as a result of our example that our children would please you. Father, I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, in verses 1 and 2, there are really two commands. The first one is, children, obey your parents. Okay, that's a command. It's a standard. It's the standard that God has set for children. The second part of that standard is in verse number 2, the beginning part, and that is that children should honor their fathers and their mothers. A child is to honor their father and their mother. That is God's standard for children. Now, standards are wise, and wise people have standards, okay? It's good to have standards. And this is more than a standard in, in the sense that it is God's word, it is a command. But it is also a standard. Um, parents, I'm going to say this right up front. 
It's possible for parents to teach their children to obey their parents and to honor their parents. And it's possible for parents to teach our children God's standard with wrong motives and for wrong reasons. It's also possible for children to go through the motions of obeying their parents and honoring their parents without being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if, you, if all we get from this, this passage is, children, you're to obey your parents and you're to honor your parents. If that's all we get and we have people just living according to the rule, the law, the command of God, but all they're doing is living according to the law and command of God, there are blessings that they'll enjoy, there are good relationships that they'll enjoy, but they'll be missing God's best for their lives. God's best for their lives is found earlier in chapter 5 when he says, be filled with the Spirit. You see, that's really what God is after. Because if we as God's people would be under the control of the Holy Spirit of God, then wives will submit to their own husbands, husbands will love their wives like Christ loves the church, and children will honor and obey their parents, and there are, they would be beautiful, beautiful homes that we would have. And all of it would be done by, not us, but by Christ living in us. And that is the big picture, and, and, I, and I say it right up front, because that is what God desires for you and for me. Now, I've already mentioned it, but in verse number one, this is the only command in the Bible addressed directly to children. The word children it comes from a Greek word that doesn't mean babies. Technon doesn't mean babies. Uh, you know, like the little the little fellas and the little ladies all swaddled up and, and just, you know, they got their passy. And, and that's not who we're talking about here. It's not talking about that kind of children. The word children here has the idea of any offspring under parental control. Any offspring under parental control. My dad used to put it this way. If you're living in my house, right? You know the rest of that, right? Okay. That's how he used to put it. And dad... I think I don't see you right now, but I think you're here. I thought, there you are, okay. And, and Dad used to put it the way. It was right to say it that way. That was proper. That was biblical. Um, and so that's who he's talking to here. Children are any offspring under parental control. You know that the Bible doesn't refer to teenagers? You don't ever read that term in the Bible. It's not a term that really began to be used until earlier in the 1900s or in the middle 1900s. It didn't, really, it didn't exist, okay? Because they're people, they're, we talk about teenagers sometimes like they're something other than people, you know, and that's not accurate. Teenagers are people, and, um, and they're, they are in a transitional stage, that's true, but the Bible would still refer to them as children. And if you're a teenager, you ought not be offended by that. That's not a big deal. Uh, you're, you're growing up, and, uh, and that's a good thing. So technon, baby, not babies, but an off, any offspring under parental control. Now, I want to say, unless, unless parents are being filled with the Spirit, husbands loving their wives, wives submitting themselves to their own husbands, it really is going to be almost impossible for you to teach your children how to obey you and to honor you. You understand that, mom and dad? If you're not controlled by the Spirit of God, all you're teaching your children are a bunch of rules. You're teaching them a standard. Now, standards aren't bad. Laws aren't bad. Rules are good. But that's all you're teaching them. 
And they might conform. Some of, your, some of our kids will conform. They'll fit in. Some of our, some, a couple of my children are much more amiable than the other two. Put something before them, they eat it. Why does the other one have such an opinion about it? What is the problem? You know, so children are, are different. Some children, you'll, put down, you'll lay down the law and they'll live up to the law. They don't necessarily know why they're doing it. They'll just do it. But the role and responsibility of a parent is not just to produce children who can live under a law. But the goal is to train them up in the way that they should go. The goal is to train them up to be godly people. And so this is something we we need to talk to our children about. We need to teach our children how to obey. When's the last time you as a parent talked to your son or your daughter about the necessity for them to yield and submit themselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit within them. You say, well, that's above my child's head. No, I don't think it is. If they're saved, they can understand, they understand and they know there's a God, that Jesus Christ died for them on the cross, was buried, rose again the third day, and they've asked Jesus Christ, they believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. They can understand that Jesus Christ has sent his spirit and that his spirit lives within them. I talk to my children about that. Jesus Christ's spirit lives within you. Everywhere you go, Olivia, he goes with you. I talk to them about that. Tori, are you you obeying the leading of the spirit of God in your life? When you said that to your sister? Are you obeying the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you obeying the old Tori? Who has a quick tongue. You see what I'm saying? You as parents, we as parents, it's not just as simple, and it ought to start here. You need to obey mommy and daddy. You need to honor your dad and your mom. It starts there. There's reinforcement of that truth called discipline. But mom and dad, we need to go beyond that. We need to talk to them about how they can obey their parents, how they can honor their parents. It really is more than that. Some of us have done a great job of training up kids who obey the laws, but have no idea uh, really how they can do it or what's, what will empower them to be able to do it after they get out of the home. So parents, can our children follow our examples? And if they follow our example, will they just be rule keepers or will they be righteous? There's a difference. Will they be rule keepers who make us look good as parents? Wow, did you see the Ferguson kids? Wow, they're really well behaved. That's not the ultimate goal. I mean, that's nice. And there have been times where they haven't been that well behaved and we were like so ashamed. You know, have your kids ever done something that you were ashamed of? When Ian was just a little guy. And so there's, I don't hold him responsible for this. Uh, But he was just a little guy. He was sitting in a booster seat. We were in Rhode Island with some friends. He had this beautiful oak table. And we're all sitting there eating tortellini soup, I think. All right, see, how can I remember that? This is like 10 years ago. Anyway, Rhode Island, tortellini soup. And, uh, And Ian was eating something else. I don't know what it was, just a little fella. And we were talking to our friends in conversation. All of a sudden, I heard this, this like knocking sound. 
this, this sound, you know, and it was kind of annoying, you know, but I'm talking to my buddy, you know, about football, and he's talking to her friend about something, and, and I was kind of like, you know, stop that noise, Ian, and I don't even have looked over there, he kept on doing it, you know, and finally I looked over, I said, Ian, and he had taken his fork upside down, and he was doing this on their hardwood table, and there were fork prints all over the place, and we were mortified, it was like, and I like to work with wood, and I'm like, I don't know how that's coming out. A lot of sanding on their hardwood oak table. Uh, so sometimes kids mortify us. But, you know, the goal of parenting is not to produce children who make us look good. Now, that is nice. That's a bonus. But that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. So parents, are we, are we fulfilling our God-given roles Because if we're not submitting ourselves one to another, and we talked about this at length, if I'm not submitting myself to the needs of my wife, empowered by the Spirit of God, I'm not giving my sons and my daughters an example to follow. If Cindy's not submitting herself to the needs of her husband under the empowerment of the Spirit of God in her life, she's not giving her children the accurate picture to follow. Now, I'm what God, and this is not my standard, but this is what God is saying in this passage. And He's building, He's building as He's going through the family, and now He's coming to the children. And, and I want to say this to children too. Children, uh, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, "Well, you know what, Pastor Seth, my parents haven't given me a very good example to follow." That's not an excuse. Uh, news break: No parents are perfect. I'm not making an excuse, but no parents are perfect. And some of you as children, you have wonderful, godly parents who walk in the Spirit day after day, and there's an occasional fall. And there are other children, maybe in this very room under the sound of my voice, and you have not been brought up by parents who have lived lives filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. Maybe you've been trained up by by parents who are good rule keepers, very disciplined people. Wonderful parents, but they've not lived lives that are filled with the Spirit. Some of us, some of us, maybe we, we grew up with parents who were in the flesh all the time. Maybe you were trained up or raised by, by parents who weren't saved at all. Maybe ungodly parents. Some in this room were, were brought up by parents who were abusive in their language or abusive with their behavior in different ways. And I want you to know something. As a child, you are still accountable to God to obey your parents and to honor your mom and your dad. It's not a easy, it's not a simple thing. But there are two parts, two parts to this submission of a child. A child is to, to submit to his parents. The first part is to obey, and the second part is to honor. Children who are filled with the Spirit will, number one, obey their parents. They'll obey their parents. Look again at verse number one. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord... For this is right. Children, are you obeying your parents? Are you obeying your parents? I thought about keeping all the junior church kids in today. Children, are you obeying your parents? We have some, we have some junior high age and teenagers today. Some college age students. The word obey, look at the word obey there for just a moment. It comes from two parts. And the second part of the word obey, 
Hupakuo, akuo. We get our English word acoustics from that Greek word, akuo, acoustics. You can hear it there. And the word akuo has the idea of to hear. Hupa means under. So the word obey means to put yourself as a child under the authority of your parents and to listen to what they're saying. Did you know that about the word obey? Put yourself under the authority of your parents and obey what they're saying. Listen to what, the, what they're saying. Literally, the Spirit of God is giving a direct command to children. Children, get under the authority of your parents. There's protection there for you. And listen to their instruction. Follow and obey their leadership. Listen to what they're telling you. Now, our society today says that children shouldn't do that. And I should ask all of us in this room, do you agree with God's will for children? Are you in agreement with God's will for children? Do you believe that children should obey their parents? That they should willingly submit themselves, put themselves under the authority of their parents, and listen to what their parents are telling them to do? Now, i got to tell you, as I was studying this passage out, it was, it was kind of uh, sobering to me a little bit. For a couple of reasons that we've already talked about. One, is my life an example that if they follow it, will they be walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit if they follow my example? Or will they just be rule keepers? Being a rule keeper isn't enough. And then the other part of it is, are the words that I'm saying, is the counsel that I'm giving to my children worthy of the command that they've been given to listen to what I'm saying? If my children listen to my words... And if they submit themselves to my authority, as, am I as a father, are we as parents going to lead them in the way that they should go? How many of us know that parents can sometimes say things that aren't accurate? How many, how many of us agree and know that parents sometimes can believe something that isn't true? That's true. Parents are not perfect. We're not And I can still remember growing up, sometimes my father saying to me, Seth, this is, you're the first one. I'm the oldest, and I'm learning on you, he would say. And he was humble about it. And you know what? By the way, by the way, I gave him some leeway because he was humble and honest with me, because I could tell he loved me. He didn't come at me with a proud, arrogant attitude. I gave him leeway. I, I would be wise to follow in his footsteps that way. You and I would be wise to follow that example. Listen, can our children, if they obey God's command, are we as parents saying what they need to hear and are we exemplifying what they need to see? So do I agree with God saying here? What, what, what God is saying in verse 1 is very different from what our society says. Our society says that children need to be liberated from parental authority. That they should set their own course in life and that mom and dad should have absolutely no influence in that. Our society says that our children ought to have the right to choose their own destiny. That they ought to have the right to choose their own religion. That they ought to have the right to choose their own thoughts and their own perspective on economics and morality and on and on and on it would go. They have the right to listen to whatever they want to and watch whatever they want to and stay up however long they want to. How many of us understand that that's not wisdom? It's not wisdom. Now, the truth is our children are going to make choices, aren't they? I'm not talking about, um, Ian, what are you thinking about right now? Though I do ask him that from time to time. 
But I can't determine and dictate everything my children think, but I ought to, as a parent, teach them how to think and what things to think on and what things not to allow. Uh, don't, don't think those thoughts that are not true. Don't think those thoughts that are full of worry and anxiety. Don't think those thoughts. I need to help my children learn how to think. See, the Bible says just the opposite of what our society says. The Bible says that children are to submit to the leadership of their parents and that children are to listen to what their parents are saying. In other words, to believe what their parents are saying, to make their parents' way of thinking their way of thinking. That's what this verse is saying. This is God's pattern. It's his design for the family. Now, We all know that children don't naturally listen and obey. I hope that you weren't surprised by that statement. Children don't arrive in this world pre-programmed to put themselves under our authority and to listen to us. I think the the uh, teenage years have been have been have gotten a bad rap. I think parents have kind of they get to the point in the teenage years, or not even when they get there, it's almost like. We've embraced it in our culture that, well, children are to submit and obey up to a certain point. But then after that, you know what? Hey, they're pretty much adults now at 13. That's not true. I remember talking to a mom in Maryland years ago, and she had a son who was a junior higher. He was 13 years of age, and uh, it was a large Christian school that he was a part of. But she told me that he really didn't like the school and so she was going to leave it up to him where he wanted to go to school. And there were like three options in the area that he had. She was going to leave it up to her 13-year-old son where he wanted to go to school. And I'm sorry, but mom and dad, that's a cop-out. You are the authority. You are responsible to God for how you, the example you give, set before your children that they should follow, and for the words that you tell your children. Don't cop out and put that kind of responsibility, that kind of a heavy decision with major consequences upon your child. And I know sometimes, especially when it comes to the teenage years, children, and I was the same way as a teen in some ways, and we want this, we want them to start making more decisions, right? We're training them to make decisions. We're giving them the opportunity to make bigger decisions with bigger consequences. And there is a transitional period there. But mom and dad, it is your responsibility and it is my responsibility to help our children make right choices. It really is. Children don't naturally listen and obey. None of us had to teach our children how to disobey. None of us had to teach our children that. Children disobey because they have a sin nature like like we do as adults. And the only way children learn obedience is to be taught to obey. Obedience has to be taught by the parents and learned by the child. Parents that love their children discipline their children so their children will learn obedience. Parents discipline their children so they will learn respect. Children, uh, parents discipline their children so they will learn reverence for authority. Proverbs 13 and verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod, and the idea of a rod was a not, it was not like a broom handle. The, rod, the word rod has the idea of a tender, a tender switch. We'd call it a switch or a tender branch. Not, a, not something like a broom handle. That would be abusive. Um, he says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. 
God says, if you don't spank your child, you hate them. And I would say it this way, you love yourself. You don't want to inconvenience yourself. And and there have been times like that where something happens, and I don't want to be inconvenienced. Contrary to popular opinion for young children, parents don't like spanking their children. Um, I don't know that I ever thought, Mom and Dad, that you liked spanking me when I was little. I don't think that I ever thought that. But I know I sure didn't like it. And I was pretty sure I didn't like it more, or I liked it less than you liked it, you know. Uh, And that's kind of the way it should be. But, you know, as a father, I don't like spanking my children at all. And, And here's the reality. Sometimes we don't like spanking our children, not only because it inflicts pain upon them, but because it it takes us away from what we're doing. We're too busy. I'm in the middle of, can't you see, can't you just obey for a few minutes? Because can't you see I'm in the middle of something here? Can't you see the game's on? Or I'm in the middle of working on something? Now, I want us to think this through. Sometimes parents don't spank their children, not because you have a, a, a spiritual conviction against spanking your children. Sometimes parents don't spank their children. Do you know why? Because we're too lazy to. Because we love ourselves, it's inconveniencing us to spank our children. And God actually says, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him, the dad who loves his son, chasteneth him many times, many times. I want you to look over to Proverbs, if you would. Leave Ephesians chapter 6 for just a moment. We'll be coming back, but look over to Proverbs and go all the way to chapter 1. We'll start out in chapter 19, Proverbs 19. How are children supposed to learn obedience? Well, there has to be a consequence for disobedience. And I'll go one step further than that. There needs to be a painful consequence for disobedience. Children don't learn obedience through bribery. That turns them into terrorists. Do you understand that? Um, If you want to bribe your child into obeying you, you can expect them to say, well, I'll do it, but what are you going to give me? I'll do it, but the price is going to keep going up. Um, Terrorists aren't a healthy thing. We ought not raise them. So there needs to be a painful consequence when our children disobey, or children will never learn to obey. Uh, Look at Proverbs 19 in verse number 18. Verse number 18 of Proverbs chapter 19. Verse number 18, he says, Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. How many of us as parents like it when our children cry when they're disciplined? None of us. Now, there are different kinds of cries, aren't there? Um, One of my children, when she cries, I have a hard time with it. And I think she knows it. I actually think she has a gift for it. And I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like spanking my kids. I don't like it at all. But he says, chasten thy son, spank thy son while there's hope. In other words, there's going to come a day if you don't obey God's word and spank your children. And, and this is when they're young, primarily. The last time my dad ever spanked me was when I was 12. And, and that year when I was 12, I hardly got any. I can remember that. And I, my oldest gets very few very rare does he get them anymore. 
His younger brother cannot say the same. Um, But every child is different. But chasten thy son, spank them while there's hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Don't you dare, don't you dare, um, don't you dare disobey God's command to spank your child because you feel sorry for or you're too lazy to do what God has told you to do. You must do it. Look over to chapter 22 of Proverbs. Chapter 22 of Proverbs, verse number 15. Chapter 22 and verse number 15. Here's one of the reasons why God tells us why we should spank our children. In verse 15, he says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Foolishness. Foolishness is the attitude that I can do whatever I want and there aren't any consequences for what my actions are. When people get to the being an adult age and they still have the foolishness of a child, the Bible calls them a fool. Um, and that is, they are going about life making decisions like they will never answer for what they're doing. Or that there will never be consequences for their actions. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It doesn't say that a child is a fool. It just says foolishness. This attitude of, I can do whatever I want and nothing should happen to me. That attitude is bound in the heart of a child. And he tells us here in verse 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. The rod of correction. You see, the rod or the switch... Or what we call is a reminder stick, and, and I can tell you what I've told the folks on Sunday night, uh, I, you, we use a glue stick. My children, I had to tell them that it was for arts and crafts a couple of years ago, and Ian was like, what? He thought glue sticks were only for reminder sticks. That was their only purpose. I'm glad we had to tell him in case it comes up in art class or something. You know, he'll be like, oh no, the whole class is going to get it. You know, I don't know. Uh, but we, cho- we chose the glue stick on purpose. Uh, one, it's very, it's very short. Um, it's not abusive to the child. It's not meant to hurt the child. It's meant to sting. It infli- inflicts pain. Uh, I don't have to. There doesn't. And pardon me for being so transparent, but I think it's important. Uh, if 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 you as a father are swinging, I don't use my hand on my children. You know what these are for. These are for hugging, okay? Hugging and tickling and poking and, and playing. That's what these are for. They're not, they're not for swinging at my children. Um, sometimes a belt can be too long, and, and some of us have been spanked with belts, and they can wrap around, and a glue stick doesn't wrap around. It's very much like the biblical rod. It's flexible. It's not stiff. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt tissue. It's not going to hurt bones. It's not, it's not going to harm the child, but it does the job. And also, it's concealable. You can conceal several if you need to. Years ago, it wasn't that long. I don't have any on me now, but I preached many a message with a reminder stick in my pocket. You didn't know that. Because, well, you saw my children. And they needed to be trained up. And just because I'm a pastor 
just because I'm wearing a suit, just because I have to preach a message, doesn't mean that my children don't need their daddy and their mommy to train them up and obey God. Um, so it is kind of funny that they're concealable, but it really does work. Look at, look at chapter 29 and verse 15. Chapter 29 and verse 15 of Proverbs. Chapter 29 and verse 15. Now here again, God is speaking. He says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Do you want your child to be wise? Or do you want them to have a rebellious attitude? The children who grow up and have a rebellious attitude of mom and dad, you can't tell me what to do. And it gets worse. God, you can't tell me what to do. I can live my life however I want. We're not disciplined properly. Now, you, you might say, well, oh, I spanked my kids. You didn't do it consistently. You might have done it from time to time. You might have flown off the handle and been upset. But you did not discipline them consistently and biblically. And the reason I know that is because the rod and reproof give wisdom. Wisdom. Knowing what to do with the knowledge they have. Not not someone, a young person who's, who's not been disciplined properly, is, has the attitude of, I can live my life however I want, and there are no consequences for my actions. But the rod and reproof give wisdom. I want my children to be wise. Notice the latter part of verse 15, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And this is, I think, very applicable to what I've mentioned to you already. There are times... I don't like to spank my children, number one, because it inflicts pain upon them, and I don't like that. And, and I, I don't, the, you know, crying and tears, I'd much rather just go play a game with them. Let's just go play and have fun. Can't everybody just get along, <laughs> you know? Let's just have fun. I don't want to, we don't have to go through any of this. Consequences? Come on. Nobody likes those things. But you know what? If I as a dad, or Cindy as a mom, or you as a mom, or a dad, if you... Leave your children, your child to himself or herself, they will bring you to shame. It will happen. And that's not the main motivation for discipline and spanking, but this is an outworking of non biblical discipline. You're still in chapter 29 of Proverbs. Look to verse number 17. Look at verse number 17. He says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Maybe you're a parent here and you have no rest with your child. It's just continual. You know, and you, you talk to them and they, they talk back and you talk to them again and they just keep going about their thing and you talk to them again and they just, it just keeps getting worse. And you know what? Stop talking. And I could go further and say, stop yelling. Stop yelling. You know, yelling can be abusive and most of the time probably is. And you know that look of what's wrong with you that comes across as you're a disappointment to me and I can't stand you right now? That look from a parent to a child, you know that is abusive? That's not what God's told us to do as parents to our children. God said spank them. Spank them. You don't have to yell at them. When, when, when I say spank, I think God made a place 
to be spanked, okay, on a child. It's not everywhere. It's not in the back of the legs. It's not in the back. It's nowhere else. It's on their bottom. I recommend the glue stick. You don't have to. You just, it's a flick of the wrist. And it stings. If you don't believe me, try it out on yourself. We did, didn't we? I went ahead and whacked my leg with it. I thought, yeah, that'll do the trick. Youch. And I recommend you do it because you need to know what you're, what you're exerting on your child. You better know it. I don't just wail away. I don't spank away. You know what we do? We have a place. We have a place. It's our bathroom. It's the master bathroom. And, and uh, if one of my children is doing something that's wrong, they're sinning, I'll look at them and I'll say, go, go meet me in the bathroom. They know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes they go away with tears. Sometimes they go away with a bad attitude. Sometimes they just go right away with a meek and quiet attitude. And then mom or dad goes in just a little bit later. We don't make them wait too long. Although one time I did forget Will was in there. (laughs) And then what I do is I'll go in. And uh, to give you, to help you understand the tenor of how this works, recently, William was sent in to the bathroom. And the reminder sticks are always kept in a drawer. We call them reminder sticks. Um, When I got in the bathroom, he had a reminder stick already out of the drawer, and he handed it to me. Now, do you understand? Can you get the tenor of what's happening? This isn't a dad beating his son. He hands me the reminder stick. And I asked him, what did you do that was wrong? And I have my, my children verbalize to me what they did that was wrong. I'll sometimes ask them, why is that wrong? They'll tell me why it was wrong. Many times I'll ask them, how many reminders do you think you deserve for what you did? Now, William's answer for about a year was one to everything. No matter what the offense, it was always one. And I said, no. Not one. Two? No, not two. Three? Okay, three. The, the reminders fit the offense. The discipline, the consequences fit the offense. And then I'll have him turn around. Sometimes it's on his bare bottom. Sometimes it's on his underwear. Sometimes it's not. I'm telling you this right now. If your child is still in diapers, it's not working. You understand that. Okay, And then I'll turn around and I'll say, I want you to put your hands here and here. And he'll put his hands there. Put your bottom out. Why? Because we're not going to do a dance. Okay, that's why. I'm not going to have him moving all over the place while I'm doing that. Why? Because I could hurt him in the wrong way. And then there, and sometimes I'll have him count. Okay, it's going to be three. You count. So I don't go over which helps them learn to count when they're young. One, two, three. Put the reminder stick away. Get yourself together. Wipe the tears away. Then normally I'll get down at his level. I'll look him in his eyes, and I'll say, I love you so much. I love you so much. And he'll hug me, and I'll hug him. And within 30 seconds of that, normally, there is nothing left of it. Do you understand that? The whole idea of go to your room, 
while I blow off steam down here and you wait for me and then there is never any reconciliation, that is more abusive than a, than a biblical spanking. Do you, do you see that? I mean, there are times we'll leave the bathroom and William's like, do you want to play ping pong? <laughs> now, he's learned the lesson. He endured pain. He cried. It's over, and he wants to go play ping pong with me. Can I ride my four-wheeler? You want to go ride bikes, Dad? There's reconciliation. We don't walk away, me looking at him and him looking at me. That's not how it works. You know, sometimes people reject this idea of corporal punishment this way, or what we call a spanking or a reminder stick. And some of us reject it for different reasons. Some, I've heard parents say, well, it doesn't work. God said it would work. It does work. Now, I'm not saying there can't be other discipline that's brought, to, brought, brought upon a child. And my oldest is only 11, okay? And I'm only, I can only go off of what I experience looking back from that perspective. But, you know, mom and dad came to a point, and, and it, when, it was, when I turned 12, they said, you're too old to be getting a reminder. You're too old. But they didn't say reminder. It was a spanking. You're too old for that. So there were other disciplines and other consequences that they would bring to bear. But sometimes people say, well, it doesn't work. Other people say, well, I don't want to abuse my children. Well, you shouldn't abuse your children. It would be wrong to abuse our children. It doesn't bring them to tears, someone, someone once told me. Well, it doesn't bring them to tears. God doesn't say bring them to tears. And I've heard people say, well, it doesn't break their spirit. You shouldn't break their spirit. It's just very simple. There are consequences for disobedience. And there are blessings for obedience. Wow, what a simple lesson. But if children will learn that, adults would live it. Adults would live their lives. There are consequences for disobedience. You know what? Men would say, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because they learn as a child there are consequences for disobedience. And likewise, men would say, you know what? I am going to do that. Not because I feel like it, but because it's right to do it. And because I know that when I do what is right, I obey God. There are blessings. God blesses me. You see, we have a whole generation of people, adults, who go through life still with the attitude, I can do whatever I want and nobody can tell me what to do. Who has authority over me? If I don't like my authority, I'll just leave that authority and go find another authority that I like. And finally, until there is no authority, I'm my own authority. You have a whole world like this. And frankly, it's terrible. And parents, you and I have a role. We have a responsibility. God didn't say that we should bring our children to tears, although it does happen most of the time. He didn't say that we're to judge God's word on whether or not spanking works. The purpose for spanking is to drive foolishness out of the heart of the child. And I already read that to you in Proverbs 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive the foolishness far from the child. I want to give you a few practical thoughts on spanking as we wrap up this morning. I'm going to move along quickly. Number one, make sure the child knows your expectations and your instruction. You shouldn't spank your child if he doesn't know what he's being spanked for or what he was supposed to do in the first place. Well, you should know better. What do you mean by that? 
Should he? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Especially if your child is young. If your child is young, maybe they don't know better yet. Maybe you need to sit down with them and say, you see this right here? Daddy said not to touch it, and you need to obey daddy's words. And when you don't obey daddy's words, it's wrong, it's sin. Okay, now they know. All right, make sure they know your expectations. Number two, be mindful of the child's level of maturity. An 11-year-old or a 10-year-old knows a lot better than a 5-year-old or a 4-year-old. Don't expect out of your 4 or 5-year-old what you would expect out of a 10 or an 11-year-old. Make sure, um, make sure that you're mindful of the child's level of maturity. Number three, spank your child only when clear instructions have been violated. Spank your child only when clear instructions have been violated. Now, you need to use wisdom with this one. Because they might look at you and say, well, you never said I couldn't say, is that all to my sister? That's really recent. Olivia came to me yesterday, and she wanted to help. She said, Daddy, is there, is there anything, anything around the house or yard you'd like me to do today? Like, has she ever done this before? Not to me. And so my little, beautiful, curly-haired blonde is saying, Daddy, what do you want me to do? Anything at all. I said, okay, well, if you'd line up the bikes in the barn, that'd be great. Line up the bikes in the barn. Anything else, Dad? Well, if you'd pick up some sticks around the yard, that'd be great, too. It's a big yard. Pick up sticks. Would you like me to sweep off the porch, Dad? Sure, sweep off the porch. Sweep off the porch. And then I said, it'd be nice if you cleaned up your room a little bit, too. That'd be good. Clean up my room. Anything else? No, I think that's enough. She goes off, and she worked. She's got the broom out there. She's sweeping off the deck. She's upstairs cleaning her bedroom. She lined up the, bar- the bikes all right in the middle of the barn, right in the way. But they were all lined up. I mean, everything was perfect. She did it all. And, and, and Cindy and I were a little busy, and so she got her little brother, William. And she said, Will, come. I want you to see what I did. Look, I swept off the porch. Is that all? That's what he said. He's six. She went out and said, see the yard? I picked up the sticks. He said, you didn't pick up those sticks. Is that all? She went to the, bar- the barn. She said, look, I lined up the barns. Is that all? Went upstairs. I cleaned my room. He said, is that all? Do you think William got spankings? Yes or no? Why? He did. I can tell you that. Why? He was unkind. Was he kind to his sister? No. He was mean to his sister. You think he was trying to be mean to his sister? You better believe it. And you know what? He didn't say it, but if he had said, well, you never said, I couldn't say, is that all? You see what I'm saying? So, parents, you've got to use wisdom. You've got to use wisdom. And the, and, the, and, the, and the spanking fit the crime. Why? And I talked to him. I said, hey, you, is, it, is what you said, was it kind to, to, to Olivia? No. I said, is it right to be kind to Olivia? No. Or, or is, it right to be kind, is it right to be mean to your sister? No. And, uh, you know, what, what should you be? I should be kind and be ye kind one to another. Okay, well, we're getting somewhere. Why? Because I don't want my son. Should I let my son grow up and be like that to his wife? No. Or to his employer? No. Or to his employee someday? Is that all? Is that the kind of employee or employer he should be someday? No. See, as a responsibility, God has given us some structure to train up our children in the way that they should go. The way that they should go. Uh, 
number four was spank privately. Don't do it publicly in front of the, the family. Don't shame your child. Don't shame them. That's not the goal. God doesn't say to shame them. Go somewhere privately. Do it privately. Be under control. That's number five. Don't you dare go in there and, and hurt your kid. Don't do it. Don't do it. A biblical spanking is not abusive, but too many parents abuse their children. With words, with, with actions, with attitudes. You don't need a reminder stick to abuse your child. You know, hitting them, it's wrong. Don't you dare do that. Be under control. Number six, appeal to your child's conscience. Ask them a question. Is the way you said that, was it right? You're appealing to their conscience. They have a conscience. Even if they're unsaved, they have a conscience. Number seven, point the child to the Lord. What would God want you to do? What would God have wanted you to say? You could have encouraged her. You could have said, that was a great job, Olivia. Number eight, spank firmly, but never abusively. Again, don't abuse them. But you know what? If it doesn't hurt, it's not a spanking. That's called a love tap. It needs to be some pain there. Number nine, reaffirm your your love for your child. Again, hold them, love them, hug them, tell them you love them. And lastly, number ten, give the child a fresh start. Give the child a fresh start. We're going to end. We're going to end. And I want to end with with looking at some Proverbs. So I want you to look in Proverbs chapter 1. And I want you to see this. And this is powerful, as we'll see it overall. And then we'll, we'll stop for this morning. Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to look at several passages in Proverbs, one right after another. And the message of the Bible for children is clear. Listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 1 of Proverbs. He says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Look at chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2. He says, My son... If thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For if I give you good doctrine, good teaching, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's sons, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Look down to verse 10 in chapter 4. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. Look over to chapter 5 in verse 1. He says, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding. Are you following? Are you, are you hearing this over and over again? Look at chapter 7 in verse 1. He says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the apple of thine eye. Look down to verse number 24 in chapter 7. He says, Hearken, which has the idea of to listen. Hearken unto me. Now therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Look at chapter 8 in verse 32. Chapter 8 and verse 32, he says, Now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. 
Look at chapter 12 and verse 1. Chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. And then two more, 13, chapter 13 and verse 1, the beginning part. He says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction. And one more in chapter 15 in verse number 5. Chapter 15 in verse 5, he says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Is that no, verse 5, not 15, verse 5. A fool despiseth his father's instruction. But he that regardeth reproof is prudent. I think it's clear. God wants children to listen to their moms and dads and to put themselves under the authority of their moms and dads. we got a number of kids here today, and you're going back to school. You're in high school. You're in college. You're in junior high. You know what? You're going to have a lot of influence. There are going to be people wanting to go this way and do this and listen to that and watch this and look at that and talk a certain way, please hear me. God says to you, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Do you know the word right there is the same Greek word that's used to describe God as holy? The same word that's used to describe Christ as righteous and holy? Do you know that it is righteous and holy and right for children to listen to their parents And to put themselves under the authority of their parents. And anything else is ungodly. Children, how can you do it? Say yes to the Spirit of God and his word. That's how you do it. You say to God, say, God, help me to be a a young person who listens to my mom and dad and submits to their authority. 